0: I was in sixth grade, it was the fall, just finished playing a fall football game, and I was crossing St. Peter's big open field fairly late at night when the sky erupted with northern lights. Have you guys seen them? Ever had the privilege of seeing them? And I've never seen northern lights like that night I mean, the sky just was electric and pulsating with these columns of different light. And I was all alone, and I was staring at this sky that I'd never seen, and it just seemed like God was grabbing the sky like a sheet and shaking it. And light was just radiating. and I was frozen. And I was quiet. And I was in awe. And if you would have asked me then, As a sixth grader, in that moment, do you believe there's a God? What do you think I would have said? I ran home, ran like a bandit, thinking, this is it, the world's ending, God's coming back, and He doesn't look happy. And I, I ran into the house and I said, Dad, the world's ending. God's coming back. And he said, Whoa, whoa, What's wrong? What's wrong? Look at the sky. Look at the sky. And he got up from his chair and he walked outside and he very a matter of factly said, Well, it's just Aurora Borealis. And I was like, It's a what? He said, That's Aurora Borealis. I said, What is that? He goes, That's the Northern Lights. And then he turned around and went back in, very unimpressed. I know. So did God reveal himself to me? But did it take? No. It was passed over. It was missed, as awesome as it was. And I have a feeling that in our lives that there's all these places where God is coming and he's he's shouting to us in creation, in our own being, in, in what's out there and what's out, way out there, all these shouts, look at me. Do you see me? And not only does he want us to see him, but he wants us to respond rightly. I mean, just think about you. We could spend hours. I, in fact, I was telling someone, I, I have a folder that's about this thick with all these different notes of all these different scientific findings about just what happens in our body, just what's happening now. Like, for example, in your brain, of course, we're going to start with the brain. Right now, in this second, there's 100,000 chemical reactions that's occurring. All these different chemicals, your, your brain floats in Chemicals. Your ability to focus, to concentrate, to remember. All the sensory things, it's all chemically activated. All that's swirling right now in this incredible body. Sometimes when I look in the mirror, I have to remind myself, you're an incredible creation, Mark. <laughs> a single human brain generates more electrical impulses in a day than all the telephones in the world combined. That's a lot of phones. That's a lot of electricity. That's all happening. Sometimes we wonder, (laughs) is anything happening there? Because when you get to the next statistic about your brain, our storage capacity of our brain is the equivalent of having 6 million years of the Wall Street Journal stored there. Then why can't I find my car keys? Right? Where did I put my wallet? Why? Why? But your brains are amazing things. We're just finding so many things about our brains, our eyes. I talked about the eye in the first service, and someone said, do you know what? That later on in his life, Charles Darwin said, after I studied the human eye, I needed to rethink my theory of evolution. Why? Well, Right now, in just one of your eyes, there's 130 million little rods for black and white vision, 7 million cones for color vision, and they're collaborating across 300,000 nerve fibers, brain to eye, shooting back this thing. The reality is, is that in order to coordinate all this activity, if you were going to do it in your, uh, just for one eye, it would require 250,000 television transmitters and receivers, just To accommodate the activity of one of your eyes. This is my favorite thing about the eye. Your eye is the equivalent of a 576 megapixel camera. Right now, the camera that most pros use is a $4,000 Canon camera that has 36 megapixels. Not even close to what God's built. Isn't that astounding? It's amazing. So then you think about all those little pieces of you. Think about your frame, your skeleton. It's amazing what your skeleton can do. Human bone is as strong as granite in supporting weight. A block of bone the size of a matchbox can support nine tons. That's four times stronger than concrete. When I got my hips replaced with titanium implants. I said to my doctor, well, this would be awesome. I ought to be able to run into concrete walls now. He said, no, the human femur, we can't duplicate. That titanium doesn't even come close to the tensile strength of your femur. You can't top what God has constructed, what he's built. And he's doing it to communicate to us. Our cells are amazing. There are 30 trillion cells flowing in your body, they're all performing all, a multitude of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of chemical functions. Every cell has one trillion bits of data, which would be equal to every letter in 10 million books. Are you getting this? There will be a quiz. Each cell replaces itself every seven years. They're independent in what they have a calling to do, but they all coordinate to make your body work. That's why you got up this morning. That's why you could feed yourself. That's why you could move and breathe and think and talk and listen and see. But it's not just in our being that God is speaking and calling to us and trying to get us attention. There's a world around us that has got so many incredible things. The soil you walk on, if you look at, and you just take one square mile of fertile soil, that contains more insects than the entire human population. Of the earth. Think about that. I think there's way more in Minnesota myself. So if you go camping, you go, ye gads, where are all these bugs coming from? But just incredible that billions things. One of my favorite things to do now is to go birding. This is a bar tailed Godwet. It's an incredible bird. It weighs less than a pound. So less than a pound. I mean, that's just your average-sized burger in St. Paul. Listen to this. It flew 7,145 miles in nine days without stopping. It averages almost 35 miles an hour. The person that tagged this godwit tracked its migration. It totaled over 16,000 miles. The one who tagged it at sunset also discovered it when it returned to exactly the same place No compass, no GPS, no computer guidance. It just did it. Why? Because there's a creator that created. So many of these things you just can walk by. I was out on one of my prayer walks the other afternoon, and I was down by uh, Vadniss Lake, and Betsy and I like to go there and look at the birds, and there's a lot of different birds. And I was walking along, and I could hear a green heron making it sound. Have you heard a green heron? It sounds a little bit like a dying frog. <laughs> and so it's kind of distinct. So I stopped and I'm waiting. And, and I, I don't carry binoculars, Betsy and I carry binoculars, because we like to feel like pirates with our monocular, And I'm waiting for the green heron to make an appearance. And I'm looking out my monocular and along comes a couple. And the couples, are, they're watching me, and they go, what are you looking at? And I said, well, nothing right now. I'm waiting. And they were like, really? And I said, yeah, there's a green heron about to make an appearance. And just as I said that, the green heron hopped up on a branch in visibility. I went, there you are. And the lady looks in and she goes, now, that's a duck. And I said, no, <laughs> that's not a duck. She goes, no, it's a duck. I see those all the time. I said, no, that's not a duck. Look through this. She looks through the monocular and she goes, wow, that's not a duck. <laughs> my point exactly. I said, that, my friend, is a green heron. And so we started this conversation. They walked that path every day. They'd probably seen that green heron, but did they stop and look and take it in and realize the wonder and the magnificence to see the creator and what he's created in that moment? Heidi and Cece and Steve, in their world, they now have giraffes that they've seen. They had several sightings of giraffes. But did you know that giraffes' patterns are uniquely theirs? They're like our fingerprints. There's no two giraffes alike. They're all uniquely patterned. Hmm. I wonder how that happened. I wonder what the point is. We don't often see this. How many have had the pleasure of seeing a gigantic blue whale? Have you seen one? There were a few people uh, in first service that have. They're magnificent. Animals. They're the largest animal on earth, the equivalent of about 25 adult elephants. But here's what really blows me away about that big body is that it can generate this force of about 1,175 horsepower, enough for it to cruise along at almost 20 miles an hour. That's, all, that's fast. Have you been in a boat going 20 miles an hour? Imagine something that is the equivalent of 25 elephants cruising in the water. Why this guy is standing near, I don't know. He just wants to get a glimpse of God, I think. But it goes on. You can go into space and you can think about all these things, the celestial bodies that are above us. We don't have time, but I would encourage you. How many of you have looked at Louis Giglio's video called How Great Is Our God? Have you seen that on YouTube? I would encourage you to do that today. Louis does a great job of relaying um, just the wonders of space and how it communicates the Creator God that we know. But one astounding fact I still can't get my brain quite around this is about neutron stars. It's calculated that if you could take a thimbleful of neutron star, it would weigh over hundred million tons. Now, I read that, and I thought, that's got to be a typo. That's just got to be some kind of internet rumor. So I'm tracing all this information back to where I finally land on a NASA scientist blog space where he's talking about this because it's apparently been talked about online. And he said, well, first of all, you can't really just grab a thimbleful of neutron star. All that energy, I mean, it would just explode with an unbelievable explosion. But he said, my calculations, if I'm doing them right are well beyond 100 million tons in a thimble. It's just a very small sample of things that are around us and in us where God is shouting, can you see me now? Can you see me? Do you notice me? And he's not just wanting us to notice. He wants us to notice in a way that brings a revelation and an understanding that there is a God and I'm not him. It's that we would find our place in the the creational order, that we'd understand that we are created beings, and that's a good thing, not a bad thing. But it's such a challenging proposition to us as human beings. Ever since the Genesis experience, we have been trying to be like God. I want to be in charge. I want to do my thing. I want to make my own decisions. I have my own plans. I have my own way. And we struggle. And that's a tension. It's a big tension. And Paul is saying we need to pay attention to this creator God. He wants us to see because what will bring us into a resting place in the midst of that tension is the understanding that there is a God who's created us. And there is a place that he has for us. But it's only found in that understanding. If you have your Bibles open in the Romans 1... And this is the passage that we'll talk about today. Here's what Paul says For what can be known about God is plain to them and to us, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they and we are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God, highlight that, or give thanks to him, highlight that, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, if we don't understand that there is this God creator, that he has a plan and a purpose, we go AWOL, we go runaway, we go rogue, and we begin to to experience the goodness that he has, and so God is calling, keep. Keep looking. Keep realizing. Settle into your place as ones who are created by me. And when we get in that place, what should it look like? What should it feel like? Well, Paul highlights it in that verse. He said, when you do see it, there should be the sense of honoring him as God, glorifying him, and giving thanks. Now let's talk about that. What does it mean when you glorify God? It simply means to esteem or to place or to render or to acknowledge that's God. When I used to work at Anderson Windows, those guys, they would call me preacher boy. They knew I was studying to be a pastor. They would make fun of it, but interesting enough, they would come and ask me their questions. They would come and talk about their problems at break. And they were searching, they were trying to see, but they had such a hard time of acknowledging God, even though I could point out different places in their life where God was showing himself, he was calling to them. They refused to acknowledge or to render or to ascribe. That's God. But the way that we're built is we're actually built to do that. We're actually built to say, yes, there is a God. How I know this is, If you go to a sporting event and your team scores a touchdown or your player hits a home run, what do you do? You've seen the hands up in the air. That's right, buddy. I see it all over the place. Concerts. Ah. Your athlete wins. Ah. Runners win the race. Ah. You see, you're created to express... That glory, but where are you expressing it? And Paul says, if you don't acknowledge your place in creation, if you don't acknowledge your creator, you'll miss the mark, which is literally what sin means. You miss the mark. You miss the purpose. And what God is hoping in the course of that is that there can be this sense, not just that he's craving our worship, but that we found our place. Oh, that's God. How many of you have had friends who are not yet believers, and they'll have something happen in their life. They can't explain it. They don't fully understand it. They know what happened and it was good, and they'll say something like this. That happened for a reason. Have you heard that? Yes. So do you ever just kind of push them a little bit and say, what reason? Well, you know. Well, no, I don't know. What's the reason you think that happened? Well, you know. And then they might say, like the guys at Andersons would always go, "Well, you know the. What's this? Is that a floor jack? What is that? Well, you know the big guy in the sky. Oh, you mean God? Well, yeah. Well, they had such a hard time to see God wants you just to be free about that. That was God. That was God. What a difference it would have made to a sixth grader if my dad would have said, that is God on display. Not Aurora Borealis. That's God just showing off. He's got a couple flashlights up there. <laughs> showing. And Paul says it's it's when we find our place in that, where we, we surrender. We stop trying to be our own boss, our own God, our own maker, our own creator, our own sovereign Lord. We find our place, and then out of that, we do something that's very important. We give thanks. Because we need to thank the one who's made it. There's this sense, once we realize that we are created, where we really can, from the bottom of our hearts, say, thank you, God. One of the reasons that I love to go walking in the woods, especially mature woods, is you can, first of all, find things that are older than you. So I like that. It's like, you look older than me, and you still look like you're pretty alive. But there's, I mean, look at that tree. And, and when you're walking... This is at Fort Snelling State Park and you're, you're walking and you're walking along the Mississippi, the fourth largest river in the world and you're shrouded by these trees that stretch towards the heavens. They're, they're just sky high and they're massive in girth. You just naturally find your place of humility. I'm not that big of a deal and I need that. I need to be reminded it's incredible how quickly I become my own sovereign. You know, for my birthday, one of the things that Betsy and I did is we did these hikes. So we did these excursions out to these different parks where I reencountered how much road construction we have, or road destruction. We're starting a support group at Bridgewood for people who have to commute because it, it's insane. It really is insane. It's kind of like they stay up at night and go, okay, let's, how could we destroy all the north and south routes at once? And then they go about it. Anyhow, if I don't have these encounters regularly where I'm acknowledging my appropriate place in creation, I can be just an absolute beast on the road. A snob. A mumbler, grumbler. Who are these people driving on Mark Spencer's highway? Have they paid their tolls? They're certainly not paying homage to me, the sovereign king of roadways. I know you guys aren't like that. But that's Paul's point. When he, when he gets into this chapter, you know, we're going to get into things where it talks about sexuality, but there's a whole list of things. We, we like to focus on who. There's homosexuality. we like to focus on some of that. But if you get to the end of the chapter, he's got a list of things. When you go wayward and you lose your place in creation, listen to what he says. Full of envy, murder, strife. Murder, we go, ooh, strife. How many of us are strivers? Deceit? How many of us have told those little white lies? Malice? Here's the one that really gets me. They're gossips. Are you kidding me, Paul? You're putting that in this cluster? Slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful, boastful? You see, the problem with any of these things, and again, sin missing the mark, is you've lost your place in creation. You've lost the wonder and the awe that you need to have and the place that he affords to you. Stop trying to be God. And start being a child of God. Relax, Mark. And the only way that we can do that is through the moments and the places where God reminds us again of His bigness, His greatness, His creativity. I was telling first service that uh, about uh, in VBS that One of the things that you'll see on the board over here, all those little marks are when kids would come in, they would report a God sighting, someplace where they saw God at work or doing something. And how many of us need to regularly see God? We walking yesterday in that state park and being shrouded by these forests and seeing the Mississippi there and. A beautiful day. It was a gorgeous day yesterday, wasn't it? And you walk in and if you stop, you go, wait a second. I could race past this. I could miss this. This is a gift of God to me. Look at this. I mean, all the the ecosystem that's, that's happening, in order for that thing to exist, is astounding. One of the things when Betsy and I were watching this movie about the ecosystem because I dragged her into my study, you know, and we, we can start watching this. is In the 50s, Mao Zedong decided that he wanted to eliminate the sparrows in China because they ate too much grain. And so he said, we'll just get rid of them. We don't really need them. So they did. And in, in less than two years, they, it was sad. They'd show dumpsters driving away packed full of these sparrows that had been killed, and they wiped them out. Well, you know what happened the next year? Their crops got wiped out because there was nothing to keep the insects in check. And in two years' time, they lost 37 million people to starvation because they messed with the system. And I'm standing there in this forest looking, just thinking, this is unbelievable how God has woven all this together and breathed. And what he wants to have happen is... A right sense of awe and thankfulness and, Lord, you are amazing. You are incredible. You are infinite. Yet you are good. And when, when that happens, where I'm, I'm reverencing God for who he truly is, where I'm bowing and giving thanks, this is the world as it should be. It's what the Jewish people referred to when they talked about Shalom. It's creator and created together in the harmony that he intended. We see our place, we see our God, and we are in our right minds. What a wonderful seat. And so Paul is writing to us, knowing that we, f- we feel this tension to try to take over, to try to be our own God, to try to be our own director, our own sovereign. He says, no, watch, see in creation. Check your God's sightings. Return to childlike wonder. I so appreciated talking to John States last week Because on that Sunday morning, he got his boys up to watch their first sunrise. You guys remember your first sunrise? You remember it? I can't. I'm old. Even though I've got storage for six million volumes of the Wall Street Journal. So we need reminders. So here's what I want to conclude with. If you want to stay on the rails, if you want to avoid what Brendan's been talking about, this idea of wrath, one of the ways that God does it regularly to help us stay in the right spot, the right space, the mercy seat, is to have regular encounters of awe. When's the last time you walked out in a dark space and looked up at the stars in the sky? When was the last time? That's I don't really like the cold of winter, but I love the crispness of it because everything's so clear, and you walk out on a dark night, and we don't have that many streetlights, and you look up in the sky, and you go, wow. The scripture says you call each of these out by name. My mom used to get tired calling all five of us kids by name. When was the last time you sat and watched the sunset? When was the last time you held a baby in your hands and stared in that face and looked in those eyes and realized what's going on behind those eyes and that little baby's brain as it races to program a happy face, a safe face, a good face, your face? And you just go, Woo. Awe leads to reverence. Which leads to thanks, which leads to our right place. Let's pray. Lord, as we go to our offering, we can do what the great hymn says. We can say, Here I am. Take all of me. Here are my hands. Here are my feet. Here I am. I'm yours. As we go to communion, we can remember a great God providing a great sacrifice that we might see. So as we get ready to do this offering, help us to freely give, but help us to freely receive, to see you here and now, to sense your presence, to hear your voice to see you working. And I pray that you would illumine the eyes of our heart that it wouldn't just happen here now, but today and the rest of the week would be electric with God's sightings. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm
1: My hands and let them move at the impulse of that love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing. Always, only for my King. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from Thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my.